What's going on, everybody? You are listening to the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me. It's it. it we're in 2022. It's happening. It's here. Uh, thank you, everybody, so much for listening um, throughout the, the past few years. Um, it's been a fun ride, and I'm, I'm stoked to be able to come back and be bringing you guys more episodes this year. Uh, with more and more guests, and hopefully the craziness of everything is going to subside, but I doubt it. <laughs> it's just getting crazier out there. Um, you know, 2020 and 2021, I felt like were a flash of just, you know, of everything. Um, every emotion, every every type of atmosphere i mean there was the mass no mass there's people that you know that missed work forcefully missed work that now are are completely working from home there are people that didn't stop working that worked more there we had no tournaments now we have tournaments now we have we had four tournaments and now it's like five or six or whatever it is and the world is going crazy it's insane but i'll tell you one thing i feel like that there has been some exciting paintball to watch uh there's been some exciting paintball played and i think it's going to be i think 2022 is going to be a uh, a good year all around i know i have a few things in the mix um i'm excited to bring you guys more episodes and more guests and more stories and really hone in on just getting getting the content out there and getting the stories out there and getting everybody you know the 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 content that you guys deserve i don't want to see stories go to the wayside and be lost and um i i want to bring what i can to the table and i'm very fortunate for uh for all you guys out there listening thank you so much for uh, for tuning in throughout the years it's been amazing and I'm really hoping for a, a bigger, brighter, better 2022. It's, uh, it's going to be an interesting one, that's for sure. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be great, man. And I really am excited for the year. Uh, I've, got all kind of, I've you know, started a new job. I have, uh, like I said, I have a few products in the mix. I have paintball on the brain that's for sure but we'll uh you know we'll see what happens we'll see what's going on but i hope everybody out there is doing well i hope everybody around you is doing well i wish you 2022 great prosperity and it's gonna be amazing man put in the grind put in the effort you know make this year worth it whatever your trying to obtain whatever you're you're trying to achieve i hope you do that i hope you realize that uh you know none of this happens or none of this comes to fruition without work and effort and sweat and sacrifice um you know whether you're wanting to go pro or whether you're wanting to start a business or whether you're trying to just do anything achieve become better at your you know at yourself at life whatever it is you 
have to be able to prioritize and sacrifice. And I think as long as you do that, you work hard and you really, truly want something, um, you'll do whatever it takes to get it. And I hope everybody out there is willing to do that and put in the work and, uh, and reap the rewards you know, when, uh, when that time comes. So, but yeah, uh, yes, here we are. It's not a therapy session. It's a podcast. So on this episode, we have Bart Blonsky. It, uh, I ran into Bart at, uh, I believe it was ICC last year and caught up like very quickly because everything is just in like passing at, uh, at these 10 man events. But I remember Bart back in the day playing with Russian Legion, Ground Zero, and just tearing it up with his brother on the field. And I and I, I thought it was really interesting just seeing kind of them two both come up at the same time, playing on the same teams, and uh, really kind of living that that pro life with a sibling. I think is is awesome. And my cat just walked in. <laughs> but it was it was really cool to see, and I'm glad I was able to sit down with him and really hear his story and um, and and really kind of pick his brain about the whole thing. And I thought it was I thought it was an awesome an awesome little uh, you know, sit down and, and I don't want to say interview per se, but uh, just conversation in general. But um, yeah, I, th- I thought it was amazing and just to give a big shout out to our sponsors very quickly, um, Charm City. Just like I've been saying over the years, guys, Charm City has come out with some amazing headgear and has done an amazing job at putting product out that is just top quality, top notch. Um, when it comes to material, when it comes to quality, like I said, and and wearability, and it, it's... There's nothing that that really tops it. He does a, an amazing job. Check him out on Facebook and Instagram. You can find everything that he has up to date. If you're looking for something custom as well, give him a little shout out. Slide into his DMs, and um, and I'm sure you guys can work something out. But also a big shout out to Melavio. If you type in the promo code capital T P O P, you'll get 15% off. Try it. See what you think. Um, everybody's different. I really enjoy their products i have a uh, a little nice goodie bag upstairs that i'm dipping into it has salves honey uh flour pre-rolls all that good stuff make sure you check it out see what really works for you and i promise you something will uh, make sure make sure you check out their website melavio.com m-e-l-l-o-v-e-o and see what catches your fancy it's great stuff thank you to our sponsors uh Big shout out, and yeah, without further ado, here is the podcast with Bart Blonsky. And we're podcasting. All right, but you're getting it. You're getting audio, right? So yeah, yeah, I'll worry about it later. Yeah, it's fine. But how? So what are you? You're live streaming. Uh, you're live streaming what? Um, I started doing more video work, so uh, like award shows, um, uh, like corporate stuff, you know, um, live events. Um, but, uh, lately it's been a lot of, uh, corporate stuff. So it's like a three camera shoot at least. Um, 
and uh you know so you kind of have to deal with all of that and then yeah. also it's like a live broadcast between europe sometimes so you're dealing with yeah all Everything sorts of, all sorts of connections yeah people like trying to chime in and you know yeah. this doesn't work that doesn't work so it's always some always something new you know and i I, sometimes I get a headache just dealing with this stuff, and this is all pre-recorded, and so I'm not going to release this. This isn't live or anything, um, but I'm I'm as technically savvy as like a kindergartner. So I'm like trying to get all this stuff. That I can't imagine doing the live stream stuff and also doing it for corporate on top of that. And has this always been something that you have kind of dabbled in? Because I don't really know that much about you besides you were just this badass paintball player who had a brother in the game and um that you guys were just killers back in the day and other than that and you guys also being from new york i believe uh i don't i don't really know that much about you to be honest same actually uh i thought <laughs> it would be nice to catch up with you because i was trying to remember last time i saw you and um i i can't remember the last time i was at a major event you know um i think uh I may ICC, have seen you at that, at, uh, yeah, ICC, right, which was actually pretty awesome Yeah, to see everybody there, you know. Was um, that your first? So, um, no, I, I was there, I think, the first year that Tim did it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I think that was, what, eight, 17? 17 or 18, maybe? Yeah, I can't even remember. That was, that was a minute ago. It's And these last couple of years have, yeah, flown by, so. Um, yeah. But, but, yeah, yeah. Um, I've always been uh, into photography, I guess, uh, back when I used to play paintball. I guess I also, uh, while I was playing in between, I would um, work for some other magazines and be shooting, um, so taking photos, and that was back in the day when it was still uh, film, <laughs> yeah. you know? So, I mean, that was right when it kind of transitioned from 10-man. It was still 10-man, I guess, when I was doing that, and then it started to transition into, you know, X-ball. And then, you know, around that time, shortly after that, things started to change over to digital. So, um, yeah, that was what we're probably talking like, what, 2000, 2001, 2002, maybe? Yeah, yeah, 2002-ish, around there. My memory should be better, but it's, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm, dude, my memory is, I, well, I, I, I try to take uh, Ginkgo Biloba. And I try and like use that. I don't know if it's working. I just okay. I I, I hear that you got to try, right? See, I I wonder too because I think about this. You know, they have all these supplements for like memory and this and that. And like, I I don't know. I can't remember still really that much stuff. So it's like, is it working or is it not? Is it just like holding off the really bad memory loss, or is it just like kind of keeping me thinking that it's might maybe working a little bit? I just I don't I don't know. I'm hoping yeah, it well, comes. Yeah, it comes back. Let's hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you for doing this, by the way. I appreciate it. Are you kidding? No, it was, it's it's great to catch up with you. And um, uh, I mean, I, I'm trying to remember all the other stuff. I, I I think you were you traveled to Asia too, right? I did not. What, what, that wasn't. I thought that was you. No. No, probably another skinny little white kid that was. Uh, <laughs> traveling oh, over Carl. there i never got to go to europe i was I, I i didn't go to europe um i didn't go to asia i didn't go to anywhere else really besides uh australia 
oh, okay. for, uh, for paintball. I was invited, but I, I never took advantage of it. And I, I look back on it now and I kick myself. But, uh, but did, I mean, you did can you still go. You're, you're still playing, right? Well, kind of like not as not as much as I'd like to, but I'm I'm just I'm just here and there. I actually stopped playing in 2018. Okay, all right. Well, dude, that's uh, you can still go. Wait and wait. You went to Australia for what? For like a clinic? Yeah. So I did a clinic. Nice. It was uh, I did a clinic in uh, in Sydney, and I did one in Perth. So I went uh, I went back to back years. What did I go in the same year, or did I go back back to years? But anyway, yeah, I went and I did uh, I played a seven man tournament there and then i also nice. did a clinic as well nice oh dude that's that's awesome and i mean uh i was just trying to get on that tip because i, I think paintball definitely kind of uh got me hooked on that you know like once we started traveling around the u.s just to play paintball you know yeah that was awesome and then like you know that that first overseas trip was like wow you know a little bit of culture shock and then you know you go a little farther you do some south american stuff and mm -hmm. you know and then yeah so that that paintball just got me hooked dude and now i'm a fiend i can't uh i can't go a couple months without uh going someplace you know yeah someplace new so where how did uh well first of all how did you even get involved in the sport was it was it you first or was it your brother and and how did how did your your introduction into paintball happen so i used to play soccer when i was a kid you know um and um right around when i was 10 years old i think uh one of one of my good friends on one of the teams uh asked me to come over and play paintball with uh he used to play with his dad so he's like, hey, come over, you know, like if you want. And my dad would always be at the games with me, you know. So he's like, yeah, come bring your dad over. Let's let's play paintball. And um, and that was that, dude. Uh, soccer had no chance. I, <laughs> I, dude, I stopped playing soccer um, and paintball just took over, you know. And then mm -hmm. not long after that, I got I got mad into it. And um, yeah, and then we started going around playing tournaments. Have you guys, when you first started playing with each other, have you guys always played side by side, or did you guys end up splitting at some point down the line? And and because you, at at one point you guys both played on Legion, right? Yeah, yeah, we we always played together. Um, since like even before we played on amateur teams, we were playing on you know on on three man, five man teams, and then you know ten man. Um, and then we played on ground zero together. Yeah. Um, then ground zero, um, when it changed from 10 man to, um, you know, text ball, then that changed to New York extreme. And, um, and then after that, uh, we played on the Russians together. Um, and, uh, in between there, I, I played some seven man events. I played some other stuff. Um, I think with, with like shock with, you know, with naughty dogs and some other teams, but it was never for like a full season and i would i would guess here and there and then yeah. i was mostly playing you know with the russians and so did you know right away that you guys wanted to go uh go pro and really kind of take this thing head on and, and or or was it like kind of how you took soccer right soccer or paintball just kind of took over that uh that obsession and that competitive nature and you, you started putting all your effort towards that. And as a competitor myself, I know that whenever I started going after anything, um, it was, I, I put my all into it, 
right? Yeah. And I just started, you know, putting all my attention. I started becoming obsessed. Is was it the same case for you? Uh, yeah, dude, a hundred percent. Once we started going around to whichever tournaments it was, even if it was just like a three man, you know, it just got more and more competitive. And you know, yeah. once you know, once you start winning, you want that <laughs> winning helps. again. Yeah, yeah, but you know, but once you. Uh, not even just winning, but once you do put in all that work with your friends, the people that you play with, mm -hmm. you know, and um, and you get that reward to see them like ecstatic and just that happy when you pull off a win, you know, that's it's contagious and, you know, and you want more. Yeah. So. What was uh, what was the first was it amateur that you played on with New York Extreme? Was it or not? not I'm sorry, not New York Extreme, but uh, Ground Zero. Was that the first uh, like high-profile team that you guys played for? Uh, no, I think um, it wasn't really high-profile. I guess the the first amateur team we played with was uh, was Boston Paintball, um, but shortly after that, we um, we got picked up by Ground Zero, which was uh, pro. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that was that was it that was a game changer right there um was that a tryout process or how did, did did they approach you guys or what was that like um actually it was through a couple of the guys on the team that um that saw matt and i play i guess and they asked us to come down and have like a practice um with uh uh with uh the team we were on at the time then which was boston paintball mm -hmm. um and uh and it went well i guess the practice so then they asked us to to jump on was it always or, or did you have this kind of little competitive game back and forth with your brother on like who was better and or, or was it pretty friendly coming up you know we never really had that um we never really got competitive with each other um we always got competitive with other people and other teams yeah but that was mostly it um and uh yeah, we we never had like a little rivalry or you know who who, who was better or anything yeah. like that. How what was it like having and experiencing something like becoming pro um, in paintball or just anything in general? Uh, but but doing that with a sibling and with a brother in particular and being able to have that journey together up to the the highest level that you can at uh, at the sport of paintball. Dude, that was um, going back to the thing with winning, you know, and just playing with your friends. Mm -hmm. um, it, like you said, it, it's it's a different level when you get to travel with, you know, with someone that's that close to you. So, yeah, being able to, you know, go around the world with Matt, that was, dude, that was amazing. Um, and uh, even even some of the other guys that that you know, that live close by that you're good friends with, you know, traveling with them, it, it makes all the difference. It's not just, you know, it's not just going and playing the sport, but it's everything in between, you know, the, the trip to the airport, you just stopping in for a drink somewhere, you know, it's yeah. all the little things. So. Yeah. Cause I was thinking about that, you know, cause I actually, I have it somewhere, but I, I bought, it, it's a, it's a little tops, uh, playing card it's like but it's like it's oh, like that yeah, big yeah, yeah. it's like skinny and it's your brother's card and i thought it was so, i thought it was so cool I, one i thought it was gonna be a bigger card it's like <laughs> super small i don't know where it is but um 
but I saw that and it reminded me. It's it's weird how this is gonna sound all foo foo, but it's weird how the world, the universe works, right? Because I saw that card, random random purchase, bought it, and then I don't think long after that I see you at ICC, and then we get to talking, and then now we're doing a podcast together, and I, and we hadn't had any kind of communication since probably besides icc since you uh were playing the game yeah and um i can't even remember the last time i played like a an excel event you know um i was playing in europe a couple years back maybe like i don't know four years ago or something and that was a lot of fun yeah yeah um but uh any major nxl event i can't remember the last one i was at man so when um so when you and your brother, you're you're playing on uh, Ground Zero at the time, right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the next transition from there? Uh, what what team do you guys bump to from there? Um. So we didn't play very long with GZ um, when that tran- like when that transition happened from Ten Man to X Ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was. At one of the World Cups of uh, 2002 or something, uh, I want to say then when when they had the like right after we played ten man, they uh, had the X ball fields kind of set up in uh, in a different you know location somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and it was it was strange, but for like the style of play that that I liked, you know. Mm-hmm. It was, dude, it was awesome. So, you know, I I didn't mind that transition at all. I could tell just by your play style, uh, by, by both your play styles, I feel like you were more the aggressor uh, of the two, of, of your brother and you. But <clears throat> just by how you guys played in general, I felt that X-Ball was very much up your alley. Uh, and I remember... I obviously remember watching you play, but I remember seeing highlights of you guys playing um, on the Dirter videos and seeing yeah, a lot of that. And I was like, I, I, I was, I watched one not that long ago, and I was like, dude, I remember the brothers just like tearing it up and just getting nasty. And a lot of it, a lot of it was on, um, on the Russians. Did you play on the Russians? What what year was that actually? And the other the other weird thing that happened with X Ball was uh, when when they first started doing X Ball. I remember you couldn't play like seven men if you yeah. were in the NXL. Remember all that? You were contractually there were all these obligated rules. just to play. In yeah, the it was uh, it was silly. But um, so I'm trying to remember when when we were yeah when GZ a, a bunch of the guys kind of stopped playing and. Um, but a lot of them, I mean, Ground Zero uh, was quite large. It was, I don't know, like 30-plus guys because they, uh, they had so many different teams, you know. I think mm-hmm. they had two pro teams, uh, amateur team, uh, I think novice team. I'm not even sure. But um, uh, so basically, I think uh, GZ, uh, Gold, and Black, I guess the guys from those two teams kind of joined um, and – they uh and that was what became the like nxl squad for new york extreme oh that's right and you were you were on that squad correct 
Yeah, yeah. So we played for... Uh, I'm trying to remember how many years we played, you know, the NXL with NYX. Um, it had to only be a few years, I believe. Um, it was it was a couple of years, um, but the Russians were not allowed in the. They were open. Uh, yeah, well, they yeah exactly. They were playing uh, against you guys, I think, um, in the open division, right? You were. Mm -hmm. Who were you playing with at that time? With excessive. At that time, or... I, I started playing with excessive at the end at World well World Cup, '04. Okay. Is when I played with uh, excessive, and then I think it was like around 2005 when you were playing with them, I believe. Okay. Because the Russians, I think, came in to the NXL at one point, and uh, so we ended up playing against, you know, against them all the time. And, um, and we, you know, we, we became friends. I, I, I didn't have too many rivalries with a lot of people. I think I was, you know, I think I was pretty easy going with most of the players out there, but, um, but some of the guys on the Russians were cool and we got along. And uh, I guess at some point when, uh, a lot of the New York guys kind of started, they they weren't playing as much anymore, you know. They mm -hmm. weren't, and it looked like maybe the team wasn't going to be around anymore, or maybe it wasn't going to compete at the same level. So, um, I guess the Russians found out about that and um, and offered Matt and I a spot, um, you know, or they asked us to come and uh, come and try out in Moscow. Yeah. So. Um, and I can't remember. I think that was maybe like a year or two after the Russians came into the NXL. Um, and was it was it Max, uh, who was the first one to kind of break through into the Russians, uh, who was not who was not Russian? Yeah, I think. Well, before I think before the Russians even played in the NXL when they were still in the Open Division, yeah. they they had Max, uh, Miko, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, Miko Hutenin, um, Dan Maskell. Um, and shallow, uh, they had those yeah. guys on their team, um, and all all great dudes. Um, was so, Alex yeah, they, playing for them at that time too? Uh, no, Alex actually um, came over with us when we joined the Russians. So. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. Looking from from an outsider's perspective, uh, at that program. And, and honestly, throughout the years, uh, just seeing how technically sound and some of the players that came out of there, it's it's amazing uh, the amount of travel that they do and the amount of just of, of, of paintball that they play and how technical it is. It's, it's amazing that they do well. Not demeaning in any means, um, but more or less just like the, the jet lag and, the, and just the stress of travel and the stress of of being an an outsider per se you know team and to be able to come in back then uh because also on top of that i remember when i was i was not exactly into the sport yet but when the russians were first you know they were they were the ones that were like serving tea and just like not competitive at all and then it yeah. seemed like there was this there was this switch that that turned and then all of a sudden i mean they're 
it's like they jumped 10 years into the future because they were they were running and shooting and they were just they were dominant gunfighters they were they were these these players to be reckoned with you know and it's it's amazing and i i really wonder kind of what happened and what habits were changed in the programs and and who came in and what was what was set into place and what was it like for you guys being in that a program like that uh, highly touted especially after they started winning um what was it like and and what was the integration like of of americans coming in and and really taking spots uh on a russian team like that that um it was interesting times i mean of course during expo when you know when we transitioned into that you know that style of game from 10 man we were still kind of making the game up as as we went along you know mm-hmm. so you know we were learning new things as we went along and and you know doing things differently that became you know second nature um but when we got onto the russians uh i'm not sure exactly what their program was you know before yeah uh, obviously before we were on there um but uh when we got on uh they had i mean they have coaches that um that handle um how do you put it um they they had a coach that basically used to uh, uh, coach the Russian team, I guess for, um, what's a sport in the Olympics where you, you ski and you also shoot. Oh, um, I'm, I'm completely blanking right now, but people listening are probably like, "Uh." yeah, you clowns. Um, I know exactly, I know exactly what you're talking about, but it's, yeah, it's like a cross country shooting, um, fuck, I don't even, I have no idea. So yeah, it's, it's highly technical. We described it enough to what it is. Yeah, yeah. People get it. So yeah, yeah. You ski, you ski, you pull out a life a long gun and then you take shots. But you need to lower your heart rate, you need to be very still, you need to be accurate. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of technical skills that go into it. But anyway, they used to have a coach that uh they had um hired as the technical coach and he used to do that. He used to train the Russian, I think, Olympic team. Yeah. Um and uh and he was great um so he would work with the guys they had like um basically they have like a they used to have a tennis i don't know if they still do but they used to have like the one of those tennis bubbles mm-hmm. uh with a paintball field inside obviously in the winter time it's pretty damn cold in moscow oh yeah so uh they would have you know like uh one of those bubbles it would be heated uh they had astroturf inside you know with you know basically an airball field field mm-hmm. in there and um and they would also have a gym in there um and if uh let's see they had locker rooms in there and you can go outside from that place and they had uh like a cafeteria set up so i mean they had uh like training sessions for you know a certain amount of guys at one point in the day and then another point in the day so they i don't think i've ever seen anything like that up until you know playing with those guys yeah um not on any other paintball team that I played on before. But this was strictly in in Russia, right? They didn't have any kind of anything overseas in the states where they trained. I mean, they we before each event we would fly out early to wherever um whichever area we'd be in, you know, if it was if there was a, an event in LA, we'd go fly out to maybe Sacramento or wherever to, you know, to practice dynasty and mm-hmm. uh and just um 
get some reps in and get ready for, for the event, you know? Um, and, uh, they, they didn't have anything like they had in, in Russia, but they, they still took their practices really seriously, you know, in the States whenever they came out early to scrimmage. Um, and, um, we, if you look at any other professional sports also, you would see, you know, they, they have guys that basically, let's say in boxing, you know, that film the match that go through, you know, and see what, what their fighter is doing mm-hmm. and kind of, um, and work on, uh, on what they do, you know, uh, yeah. on their techniques, on, on what they can fix, you know? <clears throat> um, so it was, the game was really about making our players as good as they could be, you know, like every little thing that we could fix before the event, you know, we would try to yeah. do that. Um, and we would have, you know, we'd kind of, um, have a little meeting, you know, at certain days, uh, after the practice and go over, Hey, you know, like this is where, you know, I had a rough time doing this, you know, and Hey, someone else would speak up and be like, Hey, try this, you know? And it was kind of a interesting approach, you know? So I, I'm trying to think back and I don't want to misspeak, but I think the, the Russians were kind of the first to really kind of take that information and really use it to their advantage and, and, and videotaping uh, other teams and and even their team and using that footage to their advantage and, uh, and and really utilizing everything i don't remember anybody ever doing that i, re- I remember seeing the russians in the stands film filming and just i forget what his name is but he was the russian that i don't know if he had some kind of skin condition but he was like always like lathered in sunscreen all the time that was actually uh sergey that was um the owner of the team so uh yeah and he was he was really involved you know um i guess just as much as any other owner i've i've seen before you know but he yeah. uh he really had his heart in the game um but yeah going going back to the videotape thing you know um it it really changed the way that um that you kind of go into an event, you know, because practice is practice. Um, for me at first it was a little, it was kind of touch and go because a lot of the Russians at, in practice would play as if it was the event, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't, I don't want to get shot. I don't want to, you know, uh, I need to keep my statistics up, you know, and that's, that's not how I would ever practice, you know, play to not get shot. Not don't play to win. Yeah, so the way that I would go out and practice would be to, like, tear into the field, like, push as hard as I can so I know, you know, what the limits are, know how far I can go on the break, know Mm -hmm. what I can do, know the lanes, know where I can stand out in the open and shoot, you know. And they would – we would kind of butt heads at first, you know, because – excuse me – because my statistics would be crap you know, from practice, but I don't care about practice. I, I wouldn't mind getting my head torn off at practice as long as we win the event, Mm -hmm. you know? So practice, uh, it's not that it meant nothing to me, but it, it didn't mean anything to me to have good statistics during practice. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. And those guys at first, they kind of didn't, didn't understand why, you know, um, I would practice that way. And I guess maybe Matt also, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but, um, 
but things changed after a while, you know, and, and, you know, once we played a couple of events, you could kind of see, you know, the results, how we were playing and how everyone was working together. So, yeah, um, things started to kind of, you know, um, work. I don't know for lack of a better term. See, I know, I know what you mean too, because when I was, uh, when I was playing, excuse me, when I was playing, I did the same thing, right? Practice for me was my, I don't want to say like artistic expression because it's not that, but it's like, it's me discovering things on the field that I maybe normally wouldn't if I didn't push the envelope, right? Yeah, if exactly. I, if I didn't try this, I wouldn't know if I can get away with it. And I think that's, <clears throat> and I think that is, and was huge for me because I feel like if I played really timid and I, I played by, let's say the rules and I, I did um, everything to a T that I'm technically supposed to be doing, I feel like that I wouldn't have really, I wouldn't been able to have opened my eyes on like, on getting my timing down, feeling out my intuition when my head or that little fucking voice that sits behind my ears is like, you gotta go. Like that yeah. whole thing. It's like, I I feel like sometimes that's that was dulled out because somebody was saying, no, 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 just you stay alive, just do the, but it's like, I, that's, that's not how I play. And it's not, not saying that I, I didn't listen or I didn't want to, I didn't want to, you know, play how somebody wanted me to play, but I just felt like I wasn't efficient in that aspect. If I wasn't able to discover these moves and discover these lanes and discover, because that's too, you know, thinking about it too, that that's how one, I did gain confidence in myself because I was getting my timing down and everything, but I was also discovering these um, these lanes and these positions and these bunkers and these moves that I could do to maybe break like a cross or be able to find a way to break a game open. I might get shot, but if I shoot that guy who's holding down a lane, I mean, especially if we're even on bodies, maybe we can get an advantage because that guy's not holding down two guys. Oh, that's, we that's might, exactly you know, it, yeah. Yeah, that's that breaks open the game and that that changes it. That's that's that point right there. You know, like you yeah. shoot that guy that's in front of you that's locking up the opposite side of the field. And hey, maybe you get one more. You get a two piece and, mm-hmm. you know, bang, that's OK. You're dead. Right. You're not on the field anymore, but your guys yeah. are running through and you got the point. So, yeah, there's there's that sa- that sacrifice body. You know, I mean, it's, as long obviously shoot the guy. If you're gonna, it's like if you're gonna make that move and you're gonna commit, you gotta get a ball on him somewhere somehow. And uh, that man, that was that was always my biggest thing was like I would make a move and I would miss him or it would bounce and that those killed me, those killed me because because I would come back and I would have to explain to like whoever, you know, whatever whoever coach yeah. and they're like why the hell did you get shot? Like, what is going on? It doesn't look good when you make a move and you get shot and yeah. you're like, I uh, uh, I missed him. They're like, what the fuck? What? You're professional. Just, Don't miss. Yeah. Like, you're not <laughs> yeah. supposed to be missing. And that those would always kill me because there would be times where I would be on the field and I would be, because I was, I was very confident in my shot whenever I was on the field. And whenever I would miss somebody, I would verbally out loud just be like, 
Like I would, I would be so pissed at myself. <laughs> My go-to. I, I would, I would know it. I would see it. I would be anticipating it, and he, the, he would show his goggles. He would head check, and I would throw one right by his lens, and I'm like, oh. But that's paintball, right? It's like you can't. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's so weird because you can be so accurate with paint, even the straightest tournament paint. You can you can be so accurate, but you that ball has a flight pattern that all of its own, and you could be the straightest sharpshooter. But with paintball, man, if you, it's a lot of luck. I mean, paint shoots straight, but it's a lot of luck too, where that ball might travel just a couple inches to the left. And when you're when you're shooting at each other or you're gunfighting, you know, only 50 feet, 25, whatever feet apart, that, that's a lot. Yeah, dude. Uh, but when you, when you were talking about the part where you would go to, <laughs> let's say, run through a bunker, a guy, and uh, let's say you missed them or you didn't get enough paint on them. When you were saying that I had a little, little thought bubble or a little Mr. You, a little Pete Utchig <laughs> on my shoulder, <laughs> just shaking his head. Because <laughs> when we got on GZ, uh, man, I remember the first couple of tournaments or practices, you know, that we played, and um, I learned so much from those guys. You know, I mean, there's so many players on that team that that are, you know, that were playing for a really long time that yeah. won so many events. So like having that wealth of knowledge was huge. So yeah, the first couple of times that I would run through and maybe, you know, like bunker someone, shoot them twice, three times, you know, and, and keep going. Um, I learned real quick from Pete and from, <laughs> you know, those other guys, <laughs> you know, yeah. like Chris Cole or whoever, you know, like, no, you eat them up. You make sure that, you know, you get that guy off the field like especially if it's the first guy you run through on you know like make sure that that guy's not going to spin or you mm -hmm. know try to go through on, on on the other players behind you so yeah there was you know and i think that's when i kind of started transitioning like i'd always try and shoot somebody in the back right because it's nice and fleshy it's a big uh you know it's, it's a big target but later on i mean and i'll obviously i'll shoot somebody you you give me anything and i'm gonna try come and on shoot. carl you 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 played with aftershock shoot them in the back <laughs> I, but here's the thing though i was never really <laughs> one to like overshoot i was i was as long as i shot you and i saw something break i'm yeah. moving on right because yeah. it's like i'm not worried there's some guys that'll just like walk you off the field but i'm like i'm just i i like to move yeah, on yeah. to the next guy I got you. Yeah. Right. No, I was I was strictly talking about just where you put those shots just to make that guy not spin, which that shot placement is usually like, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like mean, you said, those fleshy parts. Yeah. The neck, there's the head. Yeah. Yeah. There's somewhere it's like, you know, where a guy is pointing his barrel sometimes on purpose. Like, you, you know, for sure. But, but my point was, is that there were times where I would run through and I'd, I'd shoot a guy and it would bounce or it would like, you know how a guy was posted up and shooting and the, the jerseys and everything were so big back then. Everything was yeah. so big back then. Yeah. It's crazy how big everything, but it's uh cause it's like you got, you got guns that are like four feet tall and like, they're like, they're, they're super short like this because everything was like up and down. 
because everybody wanted to like be as tight as they possibly could, but they're like ten feet tall with their fucking setup. Um, but their jerseys were like blankets too. So like there'd be times where I'd shoot, I shoot a guy, but I would shoot him in like where like their stomach and their side where all the like the the hanging jersey would be. Yeah, yeah. And it would bounce. It would fluff. like catch it and bounce. <laughs> so then what I started to do was like I just aim a little bit lower. And I know the shot's going to be there, but I just started aiming just a little bit lower, and I'm now hitting the guy in the pods in the pack, where I know it's gonna it's gonna fucking break, right? Yeah, and yeah. if I get the chance, like I'll come around, I'll shoot you in the face, like I'll I'll do that if I get the chance. But most of the time, if they're like, if they're shooting, let's say opposite side of where you're coming through, more than likely you're gonna see their pack first, and their ass and pack, and and you know everything's gonna break on there. Plus, fuck your pods. I'm gonna fucking yeah. I'm gonna destroy your pods. Now you gotta like you gotta rip everything out and hopefully hopefully I break a couple. Or Carl, you just gotta think out of the box, like Frank Connell. So first you light <laughs> up the ref and then you just run through uh, and get like a five piece. I was doing it wrong the whole time. <laughs> but yeah, but Mr. Mr. Yu, he was um how did he get that nickname? Do you know? Mr. Yu yeah. Got that nickname because he used to be a teacher. Really? So the kids would call him Mr. You. And that kind of just <laughs> transitioned over <laughs> that's, into. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, his, uh, the last name, Utchig, I mean, it's, it's not too hard to pronounce, but. Yeah. Well, that's the first time that I've heard it probably correctly. Because <laughs> I, I was, I was always like, I don't know. I'm not even a butcher it because it was definitely not that. Okay, but yeah, but that that's what it was. He was a teacher, and that I mean, that dude taught me a lot, you know. Yeah. <laughs> when it came to paintball, life, traveling, so yeah. That was so going to be one of my it's, next. It's fitting. One of my next questions for you is: is who did you, who did you kind of look up to, uh, coming up through the ranks, and who really in, inspired you and really uh, was able to kind of point you in a direction, uh, growing up. I think, well, of course, Matt and I, you know, playing in the Northeast, um, there were, there, there aren't too many pro teams up here, you know, um, maybe nowadays there are a couple more, but back then it was, you know, ground zero. So, um, and they would, um, they'd have long before we were on, you know, on GZ, we would go up to, let's say they would have like a five man tournaments, you know, so, um, we know, we knew who they were, you know, we be reading about them in magazines you know um and uh and they were always just like uh these characters you know like uh pete will you know these dudes were always just clowning on people and they were always just fun as hell to be around you know so even when um even when we were playing like a five man at at um survival in new york you know which was like airball fields woods ball fields and just like plywood bunkers but it was a, it was a tournament you know yeah. and will would be there clowning on people you know cracking jokes Dude. and um <laughs> will yeah. was it was yeah. uh nikki cuba <laughs> yeah yeah nikki will those all those dudes so what a group of guys man that had to have been a crazy scene to be in in that in that northeast scene and especially when they were down there because i mean they were they won um what pro event did they do you remember it was it what pro event did they win? Uh, LA, Vegas, I think Mardi Gras. Um, 
can't remember which other ones. But yeah, those were the ones I remember. I gotta get Will on here. Yeah, you should. I see him. <laughs> see him all the time, man. And he's always he's always on Facebook. Is he is he the one that does all that Photoshop himself, like making all his pictures? I don't know. I I haven't really been on. Are you talking about stuff on Facebook? Yes. Uh, dude, I have not been on Facebook. I, uh, so I think I know what you're talking about, but yeah, Will is fucking hilarious. So I'm sure he's he's doing that. Yeah. Uh, dude, there's so many, so many people and so many characters like in paintball. It's it's insane, and uh, you you can't put your finger on just one that was like really stand out standout-ish like on or off the field there were so many great players that came through and especially in that in that time period uh it was really crucial for me because I felt like everybody was so so much on a podium there were so many guys that were just like on this the stardom kind of you know and we're in the magazines and you see them at the field and they're very uh verbose and just like stood out you know and so many personalities and the game was so different what what speaking about that what uh what part of the game did you enjoy like what iteration was it like the full auto nxl stuff was it did you uh were you able to play any seven man or was it really just that x-ball style that you kind of latched onto? you know for me um i liked all the different formats, honestly. I mean, even when it was in the woods, mm-hmm. I I really liked it. Um, the mounds fields, like back in the day, you know, those old school fields where you're kind of running over the mounds. Yeah. I mean, kind of like the stuff you saw at ICC, probably why, why Tim brought it back, you know? Mm-hmm. Because um, that style of paintball, it was... Um, they were longer games, you know, it's, uh, you kind of, you kind of remember those games. It wasn't yeah. just like, um, an NXL match, you know, um, that I, I, to be honest, a lot of the NXL games, uh, in my memory, they kind of melted into one, you know? Um, yeah, I'd say that's those, NXL, you know what I mean? Cause there's yeah, so yeah. many points and everything. Yeah. But those, those 10 man fields, you know, those huge fields, those, um, and, those games, you know, out in the mounds or in the woods, those games you kind of remember, you know. Um, I don't know if um, were you were you were you playing at that time when it was still kind of still in the woods and and on the mounds and stuff. No, I was I didn't really get into it um, until like two thousand one, two thousand two. Okay, and and that was just getting into the sport. Yeah. Um, I didn't really get competitive until. End of 2002, 2003, I started discovering like the tournament side and and okay. started like getting to know names and players and found that there was pro and everything in the tournaments and okay. so, like, yeah so yeah gotcha uh, but I mean you you obviously you got to play you got a got a taste of that right uh, not just a ICC I'm sure no uh, I played twice no? in the woods I played two times in the woods um, when I first my very first game was in the woods but it was just with like a friend of mine and his dad and maybe one or two other people then we played again one more time and then that sucked um but then we discovered there was an indoor field and all they had at the indoor field was like blow up bunkers right airboat bunkers so 
I I jumped immediately to that side and I left the woods and everything yeah. behind. I was like that. Yep. Sucked. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm do good. this. Well, because there's there's so many variables in the woods, right? It's just there's yeah. well, it didn't help. It also didn't help that my very first experience, like the gear wasn't great. Like I couldn't yeah. see anything at all yeah. because the yeah, goggles were probably tough. cracked and fogging up, not safe. Um I couldn't see anybody, I couldn't hear anybody. I think I got shot a lot, didn't shoot anybody. Um it was just a shit experience. And then even with the the indoor being like super dully lit, um, it was like it was dirt on top of linoleum floor. And then that eventually turned into concrete wherever the paint started mixing in. Ouch. And uh, <laughs> I injured myself so much there. But uh, yeah. but but even with all those things, the tournament side and that very structured kind of style of play um it just hooked me man and i i didn't really have any interest in playing uh anything in the woods or or mounds or 10 man even in general um mm -hmm. until a few years back and when i when i was asked to play some of these bigger games <clears throat> excuse me and um i started getting into it i still don't like the woods to be honest i still don't like the woods if you put me on a hyperball field I, I won't come off. Like, I, I love playing hyperball. Hyperball's great. Yeah. It's also very close to, you know, airball. Um, yeah. The mounds fields, they're okay. I know, like, some people love them, uh, just like some people love the woods, but I just, I don't know, man. It's like airball and hyperball, to me, are like, that's where it's at. Okay. But everybody's different. Yeah, yeah. No, but that, I think that's what it was. For me, that's where I where I started and where I started playing tournaments and competing, you know, was in the woods, in those big fields, those um, hyperball and uh, mountains. And, you know, yeah. in the woods, you can basically, let's say you're in a tournament, you can Cheat. crawl through. Let's, yes. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> you can do things like be crawling for a good while, you know, you yeah. crawl up to their side. You can, you really have this chance to be super sneaky, you know, and, um, I think that's what I really liked about the sport. Like you can really plan things out when you walk, when you would walk those fields, you would really, you know, um, if you could learn the field the right way before you, you know, go on and play it, you could really be sneaky, you know, yeah. and, um, and basically feast on those fields. So, um, I think that's where I first learned how to do it and, um, uh, and learned how to be kind of sneaky and, and a little bit more methodical, you know? Mm -hmm. And actually there was a place that I completely forgot to mention, um, uh, where Matt and I really, I think found like found out how to play in a sneaky way and like really aggressive, you know, and fast. And sometimes, you know, I mean, sometimes you have to play it slow. Sometimes you have to play it fast, but yeah. there was a place, um, when we were in high school, I think we would uh, drive out to this place. Uh, it was in Connecticut, um, and I think it was Wednesday nights after school. We would um, go to this place, and uh, this guy, uh, Fred Myers. Uh, f um, so this dude, Freddie, owned this recycling plant. And I know it, it sounds crazy, but every Wednesday, like for that, you know, for that uh, evening he would have the place completely rearranged from how it was the previous Wednesday. And I mean, like it was basically a legit field and 
like there would be like straightaways in there. Some, some parts would be a maze, you know, but it was like these bunkers and like mazes and everything stacked with like, uh, boxes, cans, whatever, you know, like corridors. So, I mean, you, you would have a little bit of time to walk that field right before, you know, um, when you get there and then you would play. But the cool thing was it was only 10 rounds. You only had 10 paintballs. Um, and, um, that kind of opened things up to, you know, like once you run out of paint, you know, what do you do? Do you run through? Do you, what do you do? You know? So it was really interesting, but, um, I think that's what helped us to be, um, aggressive and be sneaky, play smart, you know? So, uh, that place shaped, uh, Matt and I, I think a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's something like that is so key. I feel like, uh, and, and, and I'm obviously talking from a perspective of like a, you know, mid front player. Um, but I think having some kind of experience like that is, is, is so key on just developing that certain skill, right. Of, of being able to be patient and just kind of take your time, not necessarily take your time, but take advantage of opportunities and be able to work down the field, um, because you only have that and that's why i really truly believe that four pods would be great for this format because the players are the players one are so good now they're they're just so good and they're, they're so good at staying alive everything is is it's really fun to watch but i feel like taking taking it down to four pods i don't think it's going to change much besides like stopping people from like just shooting the same shot all the time and just you know these bomb yeah. shots or whatever yeah. But um, I'd really like to see more moves like that, more more just kind of fluid and, uh, you know, points not dragging so much out. But obviously this is all hypothetical because I don't know what would happen if it went to four pods. Um, but, I get you. I think that's, that's a nice way to bring the game back for it to be more of like a, a chess match, you know, for people making moves and playing paintball instead of just sitting there shooting a lane. Um, I agree with you. That's, there's nothing more boring than that. You know, just yeah. watching a guy sitting there, post it up cross, you know, dumping pod after pod, with like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's I mean, 12 it's, pods on his back. Yeah. Some people, some people really like shooting paint and really like shooting their gun. Uh, I'm, this is coming from me where I don't like to shoot that much paint and everything, but, um, but man, I don't know how much paintball you watch, how much tournament paintball you watch now or have have watched recently but it's it's insane just the the level of competitiveness and technique and uh just overall ability of of a lot of these players and and i mean there's still a lot that we played against you know that are still playing now but uh it's just getting it's get it's getting really really fun to watch again there it was it got kind of there was a lull there for a little bit but it's really getting back to back to that fun aspect. And I, I think a lot of it attributes to Jason Trozen making some of these fields that are, you know, playing the way they are. Really? Wait, Trozen is back into it? Tro- yeah, Trozen has been, he works for the NXL and he makes all of the, the field layouts. Oh man, that's a good dude. I remember Jay. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know if you, uh, if you see him now and then tell him I said, Hey, but um, yeah, absolutely. that's a good dude. And that, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always thought it would be cool to I mean, I don't know I don't know how much Jason enjoys making the fields. Um but I always thought it'd be a cool idea to have 
fans or players build fields digitally, right, with the bunker set that, that we have, uh, submit a layout, and oh, then have a have, on. Yeah, submit a layout. You have all these layouts to choose from, and then Trozen or whoever, a committee, chooses 10 for the year because I think there's only five or six events or whatever it is. They choose five for the year, and then they have a drawing. Uh, or, I don't know. I was going to say a drawing before, like uh, maybe like the week before, but then people would be able to play it. But maybe they would do a drawing like oh, on the Wednesday before the event, they would do the drawing for the field, and then you'd be able to see it. Okay, so I mean, now they don't put out the field ahead of time, right? Because I remember they they, they do they did Two they weeks didn't ahead of time. so yeah okay because I mean people have to be able to practice the field right so uh, got to give them a little bit of time but I think that's a that's a cool idea man um, I think that'd be interesting I think it'd be really cool because then you can have either either the players vote on the field like give them a choice narrow everything down give the players a choice of what field um, have a, a poll or whatever. Or have um, have just chosen choose one of the five for or one of the ten or whatever it is. But I think I think the more we can involve the community in something like this, I think would be huge. And, and plus, you don't have like I said, I, I I don't know Jason's position. I don't know if he if you know as far as building the fields. I don't know if he's pressured it to build a field and making ones that are good and and being the one that's solely responsible for a, a field that. If it sucks, it's on him. If it's good, it's on him, kind of a thing. But uh, but being able to just be like, fucking have everybody else be involved and build one, and then we'll, you know we'll choose from from there. I could see that, yeah. And and at the same time, I could also see that um, how you know he probably sees a lot that you know you or I and or maybe most people don't notice on a field. You know, yeah. whether it's going to be just get gridlocked, you know, and be be boring to watch, you know, for the spectators on a Sunday, you know, or yeah. who knows. So I don't know. That's a tough one. That's hard for me to say, I guess, since I haven't been around for the last, uh, the last few years to watch any of the matches. But, um, uh, I mean, I'm sure he, he sees what happens from the design from the previous field, from the last event, you know, and he tweaks it and, yeah. you know, um, so that's, that's also a good way to, you know, for him to keep control of it and, you know, and, and fix those issues that, you know, that may have popped up, um, from the previous events, but yeah, that's true. It, and there's so, there's a lot that goes into it, man. Even just an event in general, there's, there's so much that goes into it. Um, but anyway, what's, uh, so you, uh, you, your brother and, and yourself there, you're playing with the Russians, um, what happens after that? Where do you guys go, and 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 where did you end up? Uh, when did you end up stop playing the game? Hmm. Okay, um, I think I was starting to get burned out with the Russians. Um, I was traveling, you know, playing, playing in Europe, playing, doing some pro schools here and there, South America and Europe. Um, um, went to Africa and did a pro school. Um, and um, I think that, but that, maybe that wasn't even it because those trips kind of, you know, helped me keep going, I, I think. But when when the people that I really enjoyed playing with and traveling with, you know, 
um, there started be to be fewer and fewer of them. Um, I think that's when it got a little bit tougher, you know. Mm-hmm. And also uh, with the Russians, I think there was one season where they wanted me to go to Moscow uh, more often, you know. And um, those trips were just I don't know it um, it it was kind of difficult to be um, you know to be there and uh, for a long periods of time you know um, yeah. so it almost I don't know in a sense it did almost become like a job you know and it wasn't it wasn't as much fun anymore you know it wasn't paintball um, and that's not why you know that's not why I played it to begin with, you know, and I I was, I was playing it to travel with my friends to, you know, um, and to have fun. Um, but, uh, around that time, yeah, they asked me to, uh, I think, commit to being in Moscow for, um, some really long periods of time. And I just, I couldn't agree to that, you know? Um, and so I, I didn't sign that contract for, you know, I can't even remember which year that was. But Matt um, uh, decided to keep playing a little bit longer with them. And I ended up playing those years, I think, in Europe a little bit more with uh, with Mr. U, with Pete. So um, and those those tournaments were awesome, you know, and just traveling in Europe. It's you know, you get a little bit of that culture shock, not as much as in Asia, but still, you know, you get to see new places um and it's just something different you know and uh and they were really fun they were it was awesome playing those events you know um so yeah, i played in europe for a little while and i would come and play um in the nxl i guess here and there with like just some random teams you know mm-hmm. uh but it, it wasn't anything like before and and for me um if i'm not gonna do anything you know like a hundred percent then um, i'm not really gonna i'm not gonna do it you know now, did you start focusing more on your uh, your photography and the video side of things at that point? Yeah, I think around that time, too, um, things were already, by that time, you know, digital. But when things were changing over from film to digital, um, it was kind of tough, you know, because um, what I was doing changed a lot, and um, it was... Um, I kind of had to, you know, pivot and change the way I do things also. Mm. So, um, that wasn't so easy. Uh, but at the same time, um, when I started playing paintball a little less, um, then I started also, um, doing a little bit more photography, you know, learning more about lighting and, and then also getting into film work. So into video, um, which I just, I fell in love with. So, um, uh, yeah, that's, I've, I've been doing a lot of video lately. Um, and, uh, actually I'm, I'm do you remember Dan Napoli? I've I yeah, just sure. linked up. Yeah. So I linked up with Dan, um, and we just, um, we shot a couple of things, uh, for, for the company that he works with for her dad. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, we started shooting a documentary on, um, Ralphie on Stotts, uh, and, um, and, uh, I don't know if you know who he is, but he's an MMA fighter and a really awesome dude. So um, we're shooting a doc on that right now. Nice. Um, and then uh, just some other like small projects like um, that we shot here, uh, like a travel show is kind of like a, it's going to be um, through different cities in the U.S., but 
so that was like a fun project to work on. But yeah, it was good to link up with Dan and work with him. So yeah, Dan's great, man. That that whole crew is uh, is awesome. Did was he doing something for Dynasty too? Um, I'm not sure. I think he is. Um, or is that a secret? I don't know how much I can say. Um, <laughs> I heard. Well, not, I heard something was in the mix, um, and I. Yeah. I, I it, it might even be out there. I don't know, but yeah. uh, but dude, he he does such a good job because I was in. I've known Dan, and and worked with him for um, man ever since I can remember. Just coming up, and you know, he did the roster, and he was doing that Jawbreaker series, and I just I. And he was working with Planet for the longest time, and uh, him and I just you know developed a friendship, and it was it was just cool to be involved in things that he was creating, and uh, it was it was a really fun time. Yeah, he's a super talented dude. Um, yeah, and and like you said, him and all those other dudes that he's worked <laughs> with in the past, like um, like Chris Hass, the guys from Paint. Yeah, I mean you remember Paint Magazine, right? Mm -hmm. So. Um, yeah, um, and I don't know if you um, did. You get that book that Paint put out recently? I do. Yep, I got it right. My down man, <laughs> yeah, it's insane, so right? Was, yeah, that was. It's like stepping into a time machine, man. Yeah, uh, that was that was excellent. It there was um, there's something about, and 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 there were a few guys, uh, photographers and everything that that put out a couple magazines, physical magazines, and and they they were great. Um, but there's there's something about this one where you're just flipping through it and it's like it's it, it it feels like a giant paint magazine you know what i mean and it was yeah. there's there's so much nostalgia uh built onto it um but it's cool to have something physical again yeah right and, yeah and, exactly yeah and, and i think that's 50 pounds <laughs> dude this is a massive massive book yeah not huge. to mention the the other one with even it's like an additional book on top of it with uh with yeah. the lost uh, roles, I guess that Diltz had. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that magazine was epic, dude. It just really captured like the essence of paintball, you know, like the, mm -hmm. the lifestyle of paintball, you know, the other magazines would just kind of, how do I put it? I guess just report on, you know, on the events, but these guys like got into the, the nitty gritty, you know, like they really captured what it was about. So yeah, the articles and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, with Maddie writing for them, of course, you know, and yeah, yeah, a lot of talent out there, man. There's, there's even, uh, even now there's, there's a ton of talent out there of, of digital photographers, videographers who are just editing these amazing videos, who are taking these amazing shots, um, and bringing us, you know, amazing content that wasn't as fluent back then. Uh, is it's like you you played an event and then you had to wait until the magazine came out to see anything or like these guys are posting stuff all the time and and and, yeah. and making these videos and these clips and everything and it's just it's a cool time to see the sport that's for sure it would be great to be involved in it um at this time just with, with the life that's in it right now but but man it's it's just it's really cool to see that's great, dude. Yeah, I'm gonna have to come out to one of these events. Um, at least one that's like on the on the East Coast, maybe. Or I think there's one coming you know. to Pittsburgh. I think there's one coming to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Or some okay. East Coast somewhere. I know there's one in Chicago that I'm gonna try to make. I'm gonna try and get nice. out there. Yeah, but Chicago ain't that far. I should I should do that. We'll I gotta come out and see everybody. Yeah, it'll be fun, man. Well, 
Bart, man, thank you so much for doing this. I, I really appreciate uh, you know you taking your time and and chit chatting with me about this uh, this awesome sport that we were we were able to share some time with, and uh, it was uh, it was really cool to have you on, man. Dude, thank you for having me. Yeah, it was it was it was a pleasure. So yeah, hopefully um, I get to actually see you in person. Uh, again, I don't know if, um, you know, maybe ICC again or maybe, at one of these yeah. events, but yeah, I just but got a new job great. too, where I don't have the, hardly any vacation time. So I'm trying to, Oh no. yeah, so I'm trying to like, I got to accumulate vacation time. And so I'm, I'm, I got to see what I can do, what events I can make. Um, but yeah, I love seeing everybody and hopefully I see you soon and, uh, good luck with, uh, with Dan and everything that you're involved in. And I wish you the best, man. Same, brother. Yeah, looking forward to uh, seeing you soon. For sure. Uh, Take care of yourself, yeah. brother. All right. See you, brother. Later. Right, later. Peace. Thank you, Bart. Greatly appreciated, my friend. It was amazing having you on. I enjoyed hearing your story with you and your brother just coming up through the ranks and, uh, and just killing it, man. It's good to see you out there. And now in the mix with Dan Napoli crazy awesome awesome stuff uh thank you again to our sponsors charm city paintball and melavio make sure you guys check them out uh see what products work for you and when it comes to both of them they both do an amazing job and give you nothing but high quality product and service yeah yeah thank you everybody for listening um, everybody out there that is lending me your ear for an hour or so, I very much appreciate it. Please keep your eyes on the road. Do not text and drive. And, um, yeah, and we'll see you again here soon on the Playing On Podcast. Peace!